the Free Speech Coalition. Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. The Free Speech Coalition. Podcast. You're with the Free Speech Coalition podcast for what we'd call an emergency episode. It's well reported now that Twitter and other big tech firms, a cabal of unelected, unaccountable oligarchs essentially, ban the sitting president of the US and, along with that, purge their sites of conservative and far-right accounts. We discuss big tech's new role as chief censor of the public discourse and what to do about it in a roundtable that's out on our podcast now, by the way. Now, one of the local accounts, because this purge did reach to New Zealand, uh, one of the local accounts closed down was that of former ACT candidate Stephen Berry. Stephen has taken exception to that and is lumping together with the far right in a piece on the newsroom site. Stephen is with us now. Kia ora, Stephen. Hello. So first off, are you on the far right? <laughs> Look, I've, I've been a consistent libertarian for as long as I've been in politics. Um, I've always advocated for economic freedom as well as social freedoms. Um, I've always advocated for free speech, which um, is not something that is generally conducive to the far right. And I've always defended private property rights and freedom of association. So I, lumping me in with the far right is just lazy journalism, and it's quite it's quite prolific to see that sort of thing these days. My understanding is that the libertarian view on migration, too, would be that you'd be very open to migration. Absolutely. Um, the ACT Party's always been pro-migration. Um, I've always been pro-migration. I did speak out against the UN Migration Compact, um, but that was only because I believe that New Zealand should set its rules on migration, not the United Nations. Okay, so that makes you quite different from a lot of the accounts that were taken down anyway. So w w why do you think that your account was hoovered up in the purge? Um, I suspect it was probably because I initially questioned the accuracy of the election result in the US. Um, I did watch election night. It looked to me like um, Trump was going to win quite easily. And then in the days to come, um, the late surge of votes for Joe Biden certainly um, rang a couple of alarm bells for me. Um, over time, as um, Trump's lawsuits failed one after the other quite spectacularly, I changed my opinion. Um, but it seems that Twitter has a long memory. And um, based on me questioning that election result, um, I assume that's why I've been removed. Um, the message that I got from Twitter was uh, for violating the rules against spam and distorting the platform. And that appears to be a template for other people that I know of who have also been um, banned from the site. Okay, so initially you had questions about the election. My own position on it was that, well, he wants to go to court. Let him have his day in court. I didn't expect much to happen, but it became quite clear as the weeks rolled on that uh, he'd lost. So, I mean, did, were you, did you go on your account and say you accepted that at any point? Or did you just drop uh, the topic? I did write opinion pieces as time go, went on saying that um, I think that Trump's um, really chosen an undignified way to finish his presidency and that he should accept the election result. Um, I was not initially a Trump supporter, um, unsurprisingly. I was backing Rand Paul in the 2016 Republican primaries. Um, when Trump came on the scene, my candidate's support died from 15% to 1%, so I wasn't excited about Donald Trump. Um, but he, 
my expectations for the performance of the US president are, you know, fairly low. But Trump did manage to exceed those expectations, and I did warm to him throughout his term. Um, but since the election result and um, the manner in which he's dealt with it, I think he's really undone all that good, what good he did achieve while he was president. So this might be me putting words in your mouth a little or, or trying to sort of piece together a narrative here, but it's like we, we can assume that algorithms picked up um, uh, your initial scepticism about the election result. You've had a bit of a evolution as you've seen more information come in, but because this is all done via algorithm, and I, and I may be really showing my ignorance here as to the whole process, because I've got no idea really. Um, the, the, <laughs> well, well, there seems to be no accounting for someone initially having an opinion, uh, more facts coming their way and uh, changing their opinion. No, and there were also um, some theories spread about Antifa imitating Trump supporters when the Capitol invasion occurred. Um, I think I saw a picture of the guy who carried Nancy Pelosi's speaker's lectern and another picture of him being shown at an Antifa rally. I retweeted that um, with the comment, hmm, and that's about the only questioning of Antifa's um, alleged involvement in the Capitol insurrection that I'd retweeted as well. I've, I've also made it clear that the, this isn't a free speech issue alone because free speech doesn't exist in a vacuum by itself in a free society. Um, property rights and freedom of association are also extremely important. Um, so I'm not disputing Twitter's rights to remove me from using its platform um, in the same way if somebody came into my house and offended me, I would kick them out. I wouldn't um, defend their right to free speech. Um, but that doesn't mean that I have to agree with how they've gone about it. Um, just because they've got the right to be dickheads doesn't mean they have to be dickheads. Um, and I am still appealing um, the decision process because I enjoy Twitter. Uh, okay, well, let's let's talk a bit about the, the whole process. So talk us through how you uh, um, found out about it, uh, what sort of contact you had with them, what sort of um, – and the, the whole process of potentially, you know, seeking an appeal. Yeah, um, so I was – Ironically, it was within the hour of when uh, my account on the BF oh, when I had an article on the BFD website um, defending Twitter's property rights <laughs> had been published, and within that hour, I um, checked my Twitter and discovered that no, there was no uh, newsfeed loading, um, and then checked my profile. I now had zero followers, and I was following zero people. Checked my emails, and that's when I came across the message with that standard template. Um, accusing me of violating Twitter's rules over spam and distorting other people, other users' experiences uh, through the suppression of information. Distorting other people's experiences. Yes. Now, I would have thought that each person who participates um, in Twitter creates an alteration in the experience of other Twitter users, so I can't see how the platform could possibly survive if that's against the rules. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a very odd phrasing. And, and so, okay, so what did you do then? Um, well, I, it gave me a link to appeal, um, which I clicked, and then I got an email back asking to confirm my email. And that was all on Wednesday, and nothing's happened since. So, well, we'll see what happens. I suspect that I 
probably will be permanently suspended. Oh, and why do you say that? Um, I the cavalier way in which um, Twitter's gone about um, purging all these accounts suggests to me that they're not particularly concerned uh, with the individuals affected by it. And I don't think they'll put in a particularly rigorous um, review process, considering that their process in deciding who to get rid of was also not rigorous at all. So why now? Why do you think they've gone this way? Like Damien Grant made a really good point on, on our last episode, actually, that um, Trump was uh, he had about 80 million followers he accounted for a hell of a lot of twitter's traffic and he was for one for better word <laughs> entertaining you know to people um and uh he was well he was and outrage is a form of entertainment today i mean let's just say just call it what it is they could suffer as a business because of that now so why do you think they've done this um and they are suffering twitter and uh Twitter had lost $5 billion worth of value in their share price as of Wednesday last week. Um, I've seen statistics which suggest that Facebook and Twitter combined have lost about $50 billion worth of value, though I haven't been able to confirm that. Um, there's been a lot... I, it, you could almost look at it as a self-defence by Twitter and Facebook against the politicians. Um, Facebook's currently facing antitrust lawsuits to break up their company. Twitter and Facebook have been under assault, especially by conservative politicians, over freedom of speech, when this is actually a property rights issue, not a free speech issue. So, you know, we could, we could almost say that this is a predictable backlash from the companies to interference by the politicians. And now some people have countered that to me by saying, well, these companies are using their economic power to buy off the politicians, and I, I would agree that's 100% correct. Um, but the issue here is that the politicians have so much power to sell, and if they were doing only what they're permitted by the US Constitution, which um, was quite a libertarian document, um, then there would be much uh, a much lower incentive to donate to politicians for the sake of getting yourself uh, legislative power. So t talk more about the property rights issue as opposed to the free speech issue. Just lay that out for us, because I, for one, um, am a bit lost there. So can you talk us through that? Well, it's as simple as inviting somebody into your house. You decide who comes into your house and who doesn't. Um, if that person were to uh, use insulting speech towards you, you may or may not decide whether they can remain in your house, and that would be a property rights issue. Now, I, I do realise that Twitter um, has certain protections under Section 230, which um, means that it's not subject to the same potential lawsuits as um, other media giants considered publishers. But at what, at what stage do we go, well, we've got a shit regulation here, so we need to bring in a new regulation to deal with that shit regulation? It's kind of like um, banning immigration because we don't have enough infrastructure. Well, uh, what I find interesting about that is like this, what's happened is clearly discriminatory yep. against viewpoints. Yep. Um, you couldn't really do it to someone uh, on the basis of their religion, which is a viewpoint in a way. Um, that's where I find it a bit, the property rights thing, interesting because doesn't that mean that the baker can say to the gay um, wedding couple who want the wedding cake, no, I don't want to serve you? That is my view, yes. Uh, Twitter is the Christian baker and Trump is the gay wedding cake. But yeah, that is my view on freedom of association. Anti-discrimination laws are 
if you look at it another way, are actually a form of compelled association. And people shouldn't be forced to interact with one another based on particular arbitrary markers. If their decisions for choosing not to associate with people are appalling, and many of them will be, then the free market is a fantastic forum in which to deal with those sorts of people, um, especially through deplatforming or through um, choosing not to spend your money at those places or publicising your poor experiences and dealing with those businesses. And you say this as a gay man? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I discriminate against every woman that approaches me for sex because (laughs) not a lot of opportunities to do that, to be honest, but um, I have discriminated. Let's move on to the newsroom piece. I don't know whether hurt is the the correct um, term to use here. But journalist Mark Dolder, he's a, he's a young fellow who um, I, I actually know through our community, uh, the Jewish community. He mentions your account being dropped alongside some of the more prominent far-right names like, you know, Damien Dement, I think he's calling himself now. I, I knew him yeah. as St. Damien on, um, on on Twitter, and, and I, I can't say as a, that account really appealed to me very much. <laughs> and no, he, I, I blocked it myself. Yeah, I ended up blocking him, yeah. And uh, uh, Vinnie Eastwood is another one who I have no idea who that is, but uh, apparently he's a conspiracy theorist or something. Um, I mean, if he's listening to this, I don't know who you are, so if I've got that wrong, that should not be surprising. I've got no idea who this person is. He's definitely a conspiracy theorist. I've known him for a number of years. Okay. Um, But he's he's not far right by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Mm. So why do you think Mark would mention you, a libertarian, alongside all these other names? I would say it's ideological laziness, and it's just easy to do. Um, Now, I was amongst the first to be involved in New Zealand's free speech movement when Lauren Southern and Stefan Molyneux were banned from speaking at an Auckland Council venue. Um, I, I was representing ACT in that sense before ACT was even interested in the free speech issue. And the first event that focused on that free speech issue Um, was also attended by people who wanted to free Tommy Robinson from uh, prison in the UK. Not a view that I shared, but as far as I was concerned, it was a free speech event, and I don't care who attends a free speech event. That's the whole point, Um, especially if they're people that I don't share um, the opinions of. To me, that's the whole point of being there. So I think my involvement in that, as well as um, my involvement in the UN in the, um, anti-UN migration compact um, campaign, has probably given them this excuse for lazy ideological reporting, uh, but it's completely inaccurate. I, I'm, I'm guessing I know the answer to this, but did he call you? Did he try reaching out to you? Did he seek a comment from you? No, he didn't, actually. Um, the New Zealand Herald did, and uh, I think they did a very good job of reporting that news in a balanced manner. Newsroom was actually the only one whose coverage I had an issue with, and it's because he signed off in the last paragraph stating um, that uh, there are several far-right activists that still have active Facebook and YouTube accounts um, in a manner which would give the impression to the reader that the entirety of the people mentioned in the article were far-right activists. See, Mark is a young guy. I think he's a talented writer, but he's completely hobbled by ideology. He should have spoken to you, um, but he actually should have spoken to Damien Dement as well, or St. Damien, or whatever he calls himself, and Vinnie Eastwood. I, if I was the journalist on this, 
I would have called all those people. I would have reached out to all the people. But he clearly, uh, and I actually think he's gone after you like this and he's lumped you together because he's got a problem with ACT. You know, mm. it's, it's just, he doesn't like ACT. He wishes they weren't in power, but they kind of are. You were not in power, but they're quite a force now. Um, he doesn't like that. And, you know, like, that's fine. You, you don't have to. It's a democracy. But I don't, I don't want to feel that when I'm reading you. Not on something this important, you know? I mean, you need well, some and, sort of objectivity. Uh, I, I and he, you talk. Yeah, I, I would have thought that um, it would enrich his article, having comments from the people affected. Completely. And, and, you know, he is a talented guy. He's done good work, actually, exposing some activities on the far right. And I want him to keep doing mm. that. Someone in the media has got to keep an eye on these guys. But, you know, yeah, he, and, he, um, well, let me just finish this point. Yeah. He, he was doing some sort of communications for the Holocaust Center at one point. Right. And uh, Golaris Garaman of the Green Party, she made some public comments that breached the, the IHRA, it's called the International Holocaust Remembrance Association's definition of anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a little bit of internal stuff um, about, you know, how to deal with this. So the Holocaust Center took down something that she had written and made a send out a public letter without naming her, which I think was a bit of a shame, um, saying that. You know, this is was anti-Semitic. We have a problem with it. I discussed that with him. He defended her. So, you know, like he's comfortable with some racists, but not comfortable with others. I mean, we I, I think that people like him would be respected a lot more. And the work that he did on the far right would be accepted a lot more if there was that just you know, you're impartial, buddy. You need to play an even hand here and you need to yeah question the people who have been um, dropped, but you also got to question the, the process. You got to question Twitter. Yeah, and Golaris Garaman's um, comments on Israel and um, Judaism have been appalling. Um, of course, I def defend her right to be able to make those comments. And so do I. But that doesn't change the fact that they're appalling. There was a recent one that she put out there saying that Israel isn't um, vac vaccinating the, the the Palestinian population, which is a very very nasty trope, and it's well, not especially true. as they're <laughs> under different jurisdictions. It's the um, Palestinian National Authority that's not vaccinating the Palestinians. Well, well, that's right, and they're waiting for a shipment from Russia apparently, and Israel has offered, and they said, "Well, no, we will handle this." Oslo Accords, that's what we do. You know, we're meant to handle the health. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, an, it was a small story on, on that in News Hub. Um, but, I mean, Mark was never going to pick it up. He was never no. going to pick that up. Um, uh, so... Well, she needs to be careful what she wishes for, too, because in France they have hate speech laws and boycott Israel free Palestine T-shirts have fallen foul of the authorities in France under their hate speech legislation. And... Uh, um, there's been very sizable fines handed out to people for wearing those shirts, which um, I think is terrible. Um, but Golris actually advocates for laws like that. So she's she's going to do herself in either way, I think. Yeah. See, I'm not surprised by – yeah, I mean, she probably would um, be, end up getting questioned. I could see that happening because of her track record with um, with certain comments. But, you know, the way I see it is it's not surprising and it's not actually ironic because speech restrictions are an extremist position. If you want to shut down the rest of the population, 
from speaking, you've got a bit of an extremist mindset, you know. So it's a right mindset. Well, that's right. And it shouldn't be surprising that someone with that sort of mindset doesn't have extreme views in other areas, you know. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's not, there's nothing moderate or rational or reasonable about speech restrictions, you know. Um, they're, they're quite an extreme view and people are presenting them like, like the, the voice of reason in a way, but that's a real subversion, a bit of a gaslighting thing going on, I think, because they're not, they're, it's an extreme position to hold. So, okay, so w- what is a path back for you? What's a path back? Uh, well, I don't think I'll ever be on Twitter again. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shame. Um, uh, I, I'm having um, a lot of fun producing the Mr. Berry, Mr. Berry show, which is currently on YouTube. Um, if you want to be outraged and offended, by all means, go and watch it, because that's all we seek to do. Fantastic. Um, and I'm also looking at um, other platforms now. Uh, if there's movement in the appeal, do reach out to us, because it would be good to do a bit of a follow-up. And Mark, yep. if you're listening, call Stephen. Get his side of the story, okay? You're a talented young writer. No one's doubting that. You are doing good work in exposing the far right and keeping tabs on them. But you gotta play it even, man. You gotta be you gotta be cool. You gotta you gotta look at both sides. You know, you're a reporter, you're not running PR now. Okay? Don't betray your he talent. You can ring me on he can ring me on 021-165-3464 anytime he likes. Yep. Well there you are, Mark. You know, get the man's side of the story. All right. That's all we ask of you. Okay, um, so that has been the Free Speech Coalition podcast, our emergency uh, episode with uh, Stephen Berry. Uh, yeah, do watch his comedy show, Mr. Berry, Mr. Berry, it's called, isn't it? Yep, yep. Uh, that's on YouTube. And yes, uh, hopefully uh, you have some good news to tell us that we can report on um, in the future. Thanks very much, Dane.